Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker taking over from 12 to 3 p.m. Are you already laughing that something bad happened? Somebody got punched in the face on Jerry Springer. All right, so that's what we're watching. That's (laughs) how we're starting off. Fantastic. (laughs) We're trying to get in and talk about some Carolina, the Panthers, the Tar Heels, and here we have Jerry Springer. We have Steve Wilkos. It happens all the time. During so many different segments throughout the week, I see you smile, and it's because we have one of those shows. Do you change it to that? No, it's it's automatically on there because I think Mac and them have it on WCCB uh, to watch the news in the morning, and it's still on. But you damn sure don't change it from that that's yeah. something you don't i mean do. i'm the perfect blend of righteous and ratchet so you know well we're starting off pretty ratchet to my ratchet side. It, it, we're, we're starting off ratchet right now here on the weston walker show but what i really <laughs> wanted to do i wanted to lead in this way if you click on the espn homepage and you look at the top headlines over to the right north carolina the tar heels are listed twice once for the jason capel drama last night that saw north carolina go down once again to pittsburgh and there was once for Mac Brown's extension that he signed with Carolina. We can get to that a little bit later on. I have a feeling we'll go to the foul line. I think it's about to get crazy in here. And when the dust settles, we'll discuss Deuce Staley. Yes, even Jim Bob Cooter, which is a real name. And we are going to embrace the hell out of it. Let's get crazy. We're listening to Andy, uh, Andy up on the bus. Nuck if you buck. Fiddy, open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Carolina gets bounced for the third straight time at home against the Pittsburgh Panthers. Pitt wins 65 to 64. Not only did you have some in-game drama where this game got physical, probably a little bit more physical than most you see the Tar Heels play, but it got that way out there on the court. Caleb Love was their most efficient starting lineup score. 8 of 18 from the field, and that would be the most efficient score that you had. Yes, Caleb Love for the Tar Heels scoring 22 points. Armando Baycott went 3 of 10. R.J. Davis went 3 of 15. Got banged up, should be noted, but went 3 of 15 in his 37 minutes of play. Pete Nance was the next efficient in 6 of 14 shooting. And then Leaky Black, 1 of 5, 0 of 3, something you might be a little used to. Not only was there drama on the court, Wes, there was some drama off of it. As Jason Capel started talking that talk in the tunnel, saying, all I did for this program, this is how you treat me. Apparently, he was not happy with a tweet that North Carolina put out before the game. Here's Jeff Capel, head coach of Pittsburgh, where Jason Capel is assisting his brother for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Here's Jeff Capel discussing that beef after the contest. My brother loves this school. He dreamt of coming here as a player when, when, when we were little, when he was little. And, you know, we grew up here. My family moved to Virginia. Uh, I think my brother was going to ninth grade. This is the place that he always dreamt of playing. And he wore that jersey with a lot of pride. Yeah. 
and since he's left here, there's been a lot of disrespect towards him. Mm. And one thing happened today, and I don't think it's coming from within the basketball program. And I don't know who controls their social media, but there was a tweet, and I hoped, I was hoping he didn't see it. I'm not on social media. One of the guys on my staff showed it to me where, you know, again, I get social media, Twitter. You try to be funny. You try to do whatever. But I, I thought it was them trolling him. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a complicated relationship with him in North Carolina. He loves it. But I think at times he doesn't feel that back. All right. If you look at the tweet that Jeff Capel is referencing, it's of what the first name of the player, Lebo, I know is his name. But twenty number 25, Jeff Lebo. Jeff Lebo. It was Creighton Lebo. That's Cray- his son. Yes, oh, Jeff okay. Lebo's son, Creighton Lebo. Thank you. So it's a picture of him wearing number 25. And it says, and it says, game 22, Wednesday, <laughs> February 1st, 2023, 7 p.m. tip. And then there's Lebo looking back at the camera with his tongue out, number 25 on full display. Well, Jason Capel wore number 25 back in his college playing days. I'm sorry, where, what's the problem here? Like, we actually think Jason, we, we think this is real disrespectful to Jason Capel. Like, they blew this thing up as some real disrespect. Wes, I know you're a Kobe Bryant fan. What I think of is the gif of him looking, shaking his head, and saying soft. Like, are you serious? It, it caused that type of reaction. If you're hype after a win, awesome, cool. Talk that trash all you want to. That's fine. But to act like North Carolina is mad disrespectful to because of this tweet in part, man, that's kind of crazy to me. How do you see it with Jason Cape? Uh, as far as the tweet goes, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't see it either. So it's mad. I'll soft. say that, yeah. But I think too, he also said in that same presser though, he did say that um, former players and stuff have been saying reckless stuff to Jason and it's a, it, apparently a former player stopped the 2009 interaction when yeah. North Carolina played Oklahoma in the Elite Eight I know it was the NCAA tournament where North Carolina would eventually win the championship that season and so apparently fans were very disrespectful to Jason Capel and honestly I get that I would get why you feel some type of way fans can do whatever they want but if you're Jason Capel I would understand you feeling some type of way about that and apparently what Jeff Capel said in the postgame presser was that it took a former player to stop all of that. But, man, it's not like Jason Capel had the squeakiest clean of resumes leaving North Carolina. Like, there was a lot of – there's reporting on this, too, about him being – not a not the reason that Joseph Forte leaves, but that he wanted that to be his team. Joe Forte was awesome coming into the ACC for the two years that he played there. And that Jason Capel, the personality, the attitude didn't really mesh with some of the stars mm. with that North Carolina squad. And then here he is throwing Matt Doherty under the bus, right? I know Heels fans are happy with that, and maybe even that's one of the things they don't mind. But yeah, it's not like it was the squeakiest clean of resume. So look, man, I'm not here to be mad disrespectful against Jason Cape. That's not what I'm trying to do. Come on, though. Like, that type of reaction after the game, (laughs) I just don't see why. Yeah, and even if they were trolling, I mean, there's no need to have that type of reaction. If you add that in with 
maybe people saying some stuff to you, okay. But even right. yet and still as a coach, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. You want your players, coaches, ask a bus to behave in ways that are uh, becoming to our parents, becoming to the program. So you can't have those type of outbursts. I get that he's human and all of that stuff. Now, as far as the, I'm not necessarily certain that the social media department is completely scot-free in this because I do know that, you know, obviously we know internet trolling goes on, stuff but like that. Mr. Okay, Petty himself, you got to no, be right. cool with this. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is that, and also as a coach, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. So to me, this should have been a non-issue. Uh, they should have, that outburst was unnecessary by Jason. And that's my man, but that wasn't. That was not the way to go well, about it. And it's not even that I have a problem with him talking that mess after the game. That's fine. It was an emotional victory. You got a big win. That's a huge win for a Panthers team that has been down bad recently. If that you gotta you gotta make sure that you and your coaching staff and your team and your players that y'all are good. Get emotional after that victory. That's real cool. Hell, in fact, I would imagine you're emotional, especially beating your alma mater, right? Like that's a big deal to Jason Capel. But then to act like this is huge disrespect man number 25 like that is what sets you off here Fiddy. i know you got thoughts on it go ahead man i i I'm, i imagine that you're feeling something similar as this is uncalled for from jason it's probably a really hard reality to wake up and realize your best accomplishments that came on that floor at the smith center came as a member of pitt's coaching staff not an actual player his greatest achievement as a University of North Carolina basketball player was captaining the worst team in modern program history. <laughs> Congratulations. And then you want to sit there and say that you held this bleep together while Matt Doherty tore it apart? You held together a losing program. I mean... Is that something you want to brag about? Yeah, man. Like, look, here's the thing I'll say about Capel during his playing days. I liked him. He was an important player for that squad. When they made the Final Four, and that was not a great regular season in 2000, it's my favorite Heels team of all time. It's what bred my love for college basketball that turned into sports. I loved me some Jason Capel, and he was very good, also shooting very well. Not ahead of his time, but kind of with the importance on three-point shooting. Liked him as a player. But yeah, y'all did go eight. 20 afterwards. I don't think that there was anybody pointing to you and your attitude or your leadership and saying, yeah, he is the one holding this entire locker room together. Holding that bleep together. I I'll give you the, the props. The I'll give soft. you the props for, for being what I thought was a pretty good basketball player. I liked Jason Capel during his playing days, but it feels it feels weird. All of it just feels very, very weird. Uh, he's going out of his way to exile himself from the greatest sports fraternity that exists, which is the Carolina <laughs> basketball family. This, I mean, this is getting worse than Rashad McCants. No, I don't think so. No, and, because and here's the thing with, 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 with Rashad. Tar Heel fans have come to the point now where if he wanted to come back in good graces, we'd open it, we'd open our arms. Bleep that with Jason Capel. I mean, now, in the heat of the moment, yeah. but you guys were saying crazier stuff when, well, when Rashad he... came out. And look, here's the thing I'll say. This is my Rashad McCann story as far as how Heels fans feel about him. I went to the Spectrum Center when the Big Three was launching. When Ice Cube was opening that up and making the rounds, I got some tickets and I got to go. Rashad McCants was playing for a Big Three team. His name is announced at the Spectrum Center, okay, here in Charlotte, and a wave of boos. I mean, Tar Heel fans beside me destroyed that guy. That was a few years back. I think it would have been something like 2019, 2018, something like that. So maybe... 
in the three or four years that have passed, it's calmed down. But I'm telling you right then and there, when Rashad McCants' name was announced, everybody hated that guy, all the Heels fans. But you're right. In this moment, I think if you were to say, who are the public enemies from within the house, where the call is coming inside, Rashad McCants is still number one to me. Jason Cable, man, like it's just kind of happening that way right now. Yeah, and so, I mean, the pettiness, though, you love it. I mean, I think it's going to add a little bit of spice to what they have going on. They may see each other again in the ACC tournament with something like this happening. Now, I am hoping they see each other in the ACC tournament just for it to be lit. I was also at that big three uh, event as well. I completely forgot that Rashad McCants was out there. Oh, dude, they destroyed him. And, and that that was crazy, by the way. So did he. Yeah, Rashad R- R- destroyed the big three? No, or? no, he forgot he was out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know what you were, where you were going. I was just trying to take a cheap shot at him. Um, real quickly, as we start to wind down this segment and then move on to Panther stuff, did you have a favorite random player that showed up in the big three? Because I got a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was your favorite? Uh, my man James White that I went to school with at Florida. Ooh. Flight White. Putting that sleeve on his head and then jumping from the free throw line. Yes, James man, White you're was talking nasty. about I went to Midnight Madness at Florida that year specifically to see him. I wanted to see nothing else but them, but him come from the free throw line, go under the legs. I was so disappointed with his dunk contest uh, performance oh, in I the know. NBA because I expected all of the lore, all of the the legend of this man. That's why he got a roster spot. That's the only reason I cared. Yeah. I wanted to see James White in the dunk contest, and we got it, and it massively underperformed. Yeah, man. But, but let these youngins know, Wes, because it was oh, crazy. Oh, when I tell you, man, when I got to Florida and he was there, we'd see each other all the time. We'd chat and stuff like that, me and David Lee and, and, and those guys. And one, I used to get jealous of how they could eat pizza and go to practice. And, you know, they ate pizza all the time. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, when Midnight Madness came, I mean, the buzz was palpable on campus because everybody wanted to see Flight White. And I think he com- he did Sick some nickname. nasty stuff, but I think he missed his attempts when he tried to go from uh, the free throw line. So I think Flight, sometimes when he gets under those bright lights, you know, he might kind of... You know, blink well, those I mean, eyes a little dunk. bit. I don't, I don't, I don't remember his game a ton. The guy could dunk and he could fly. I mean, it I was, I it mean, was. it was lit um, at Florida when he came out. There. I'll, I'll end with this. How about a great all-time random NBA name, Houston Rocket backcourt of Moochie Norris and Katino Mobley. Oh yeah, yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watching Moochie with the fro, yeah. loved it. Him West and Florida um, alum, by the way. Else? And then never getting to see Iverson will always be a part of Big Three lore. I don't think he ever played. I don't know if he ever played. Yeah, I, got, I don't think he ever played, but they marketed the hell out of him. Oh, sure. Ice Cube did. He was making the rounds. And I, I think that kind of put a dent in their relationship because of that. Uh, it might have. All right. Let's get to Jim Bob Cooter. He's been waiting patiently for us to talk about him and also Deuce Staley, Panthers coaching staff rumors slash hires. We'll get to that in the next segment here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh. 
at 704-570-9610. We got some tweets. We got some texts coming in about yeah, this Jason Capel. Yeah, where do they follow us on Twitter, though? Uh, Weston Walker, W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L... <laughs> K-E-R. There you go. That's my name. And what happens if you do follow us? And Man, listen, 5, every thousand followers, I will do something. Gift card something, man. Seriously. There's like, incentive. Uh, who is who is our guy? I'm not a kappa. Who, <laughs> who is our guy? I think it's Chubb in a Tub that always gets mad at us because he followed us early on. And then we always talk about these followers. And then he's like, he wants something for following us early on. Chubb in a tub. I know that's the person that keeps saying, hey, give me, give me yeah, an award well, for following Yeah, well, he told me I should be replaced, so we really shouldn't even be giving him the light of day to say his Twitter handle, but... Um, I did not know that. Yeah, he did. That's Come why I, That's why he got muted. He lucky, <laughs> he's lucky he didn't get blocked, because he gets on there and like, oh, you're not interacting with me. Replace you with such and such and such and such. Well, what I'll replace you and mute you. What did, and that's all he's going to get. Moving on from... What did he, what did he sound like, though? You uh, you don't interact with me. <laughs> it's Wes Walker. That's how you can follow us on Twitter as well. Again, text in 704-570-9610. 980 number was writing in about the Rashad and then uh, the Rashad McCants, Jason Capel conversation. Rashad never gets to come back. Capel never again. Capel had to pump his own self up when he played. He has always thought he was better than the props he received while playing. 910 number wrote in, y'all are mad because McCants told the truth about their 20 plus years of academic fraud. Mm. Of course, they boo the whistleblower. There's actually a few of of the people. McCants was ill, though. He was one of the Tar Heel players well, that I really did you, respect. Well, he know, was a baller. Well, you know what? That That's what hurts, though, more, Wes. Yeah. Like, for a Carolina fan. He was like, a monster. That, that because Rashad was Awesome. Yeah, he was a monster. The the year before the championship season, Rashad was crazy. Yeah, and now that I see his in the big three uniform, I do remember him because he played with James White. They won the championship. Yeah. Oh, did they really? I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, they, they won. won the championship the first year. I think they won the first two. They went back to back. Who who was it? Like Team Power? Well, how many? They had some crazy. They names had like there. six teams. It was Pat, but they played for trilogy. Trilogy and, was yeah, one. yeah. It was him and because they had Al Harrington and Al Harrington was bodying fools. How, how about, I got a story for you. <laughs> and Kenya Martin. Um, you want to hear a story of me being soft in basketball one time? Okay. Before we dive into Jim Bob Cooter and I need to really work on phrasing with Jim Bob's name. Okay. But Al Harrington basketball camp. I attended that two seasons in a row up mm. in Indiana. Good old Fishers, Indiana, Franklin, maybe I, I forget which one. But we were in Indiana. I attended Al Harrington basketball camp. Awesome guy. Awesome, awesome dude. So he comes in and plays some pickup basketball with us. And you would think that 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, whatever, they would love Al Harrington playing basketball with them, right? <laughs> like, he gets in there, and of course, he's not dunking on us. He's doing behind-the-back passes. He's setting us up. And then he would switch teams at halftime. I'm not proud to admit it, Wes, but he played for the other team, and I cried. I did. I was like eight years old and I cried because Al Harrington was giving us the business and I did not see the value in playing basketball against an <laughs> NBA player. I was mad because we weren't winning. Well, that's eight year olds. And I was a bad sport because he was throwing behind the back passes to other dudes and I had to go to the sideline because I was saying it wasn't fair and I was crying real soft move on my part. Oh, we yet. grew up though. Yeah. 
We grew up. Now I'm just, okay. a, I'm a savage now, as we talked about. We should get him back now and try to recreate that. I would love to do that. Yeah. I would love to do that. Yes, people are making fun of my phrasing when we're mentioning Jim Bob Cooter. And, and we'll go to that conversation right now. That is a name to pay attention to as Carolina requested permission from Jacksonville to interview Jim Bob Cooter as a possible offensive coordinator. Besides the name, it, it's going to be phenomenal throughout the season. I really hope he gets the job. But not only because of the name, Wes. Guy's pretty good offensively. Mm -hmm. If you look at what he did with Detroit, he got some coaching looks. He never ended up getting a head coaching job, but he was with Jim Caldwell. He got coaching looks as far as some interviews and interest goes. And Jim Bob said that he wasn't ready to go get a head coaching job at that point. I believe he was 31, 32 years old at the time. So they were still looking for the whole wonderkin type of offensive mind, but did a great job with Matthew Stafford. And if you look at a couple, it's funny, as Carolina Panthers fans, I think we've actually had some figures who have been connected with Matthew Stafford, one of them being Sean Ryan. It's the quarterback coach in Carolina, and he did a great job in Houston with Deshaun Watson, and one of the successful stops he had was also in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. So now we talk about somebody like Jim Bob Cooter, who also did a great job with a Matthew Stafford and has bounced around, had bitten off quite a few styles in the NFL with some successful offenses if you look at his track record. And now Frank Reich is trying to go after that guy who was, of course, with Doug Peterson. So there is some alignment. And you know what? It's it's not just it's not just alignment because, hey, you know, this guy and he was at my previous job. He was good at my previous job. I like this in inquiry on Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, I do, too. And the more we talk about him, the more I do remember him, because in those Detroit offenses with Megatron and them, I do remember that name standing out to me when when they talked about the offensive coordinator. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> For sure. How can you forget that name? Uh, but then also they said he worked with uh, Peyton Manning on the 2013 uh, Denver Broncos offense that was absolutely prolific. And then most recently he played a role in helping Trevor Lawrence to his breakout year uh, this season in Jacksonville. So, uh, him coming in along with a Frank Reich and them possibly landing a young quarterback. I think that would supply uh, a young signal caller with a lot of good resources around them to be successful when you look at the track record, uh, especially of old Jim Bob, of who he has worked with. I think every time I address him, I'll probably refer to him as old Jim Bob because that name kind of lends itself to an old being in front of it. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, there are so many different ways you could take this name. I heard Kyle Bailey explore some of those avenues yesterday when the news broke. And of course, he said, it sounds like somebody that would come from Tennessee. And yes, he spent time at Tennessee. I'm from Catawba County. I feel like I know about four Jim Bob Cooters down in Claremont. Right. <laughs> that makes like moonshine. They, at least a few of them. Do they and, like and, black people? And the ones who don't. Jim Bob Cooter, this one does, Wes. <laughs> at least I think, I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't tell you if he likes black people or not. But he's going to be coaching them. And so I certainly hope so. Down in Catawba County, the thing is, they, they do like black people, but they don't recognize some of the limitations that they mm. put on themselves where they're like, hey, no, he's not black. That's my buddy. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, they have macro views that don't necessarily apply to his buddy, even yeah. though he's black. That's the Jim Bob yeah. Cooter in Catawba County. But yeah, and the and the guys who don't make moonshine, Fitty, they're drinking it. They're those are the Jim Bob Cooters that are drinking it mm. down in Claremont, North you Carolina. You ever had moonshine? Yes, of course. Apple pie is the best, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Wes, what about you? Yeah, I've had it. Moonshine's phenomenal. Apple pie, but the apple best pie to you? is. I don't think I've had a flavored 
moonshine before. I think I just had old regular. Have you ever had muscadine moonshine? I have not. That's a little different, but also very good. So I I do may or may not. I might or may not have the hookup where it is clean. So whenever we come over for show movie night with our reverse seared steaks, I want moonshine as the beverage. I mean, honestly, it would not be as bad. Muscadine moonshine with reverse seared steak. It it sounds better than maybe it does initially, right? Nobody like it, it, it tastes better from that dinner. Yeah, nobody is. No, you guys are you guys are taking one sip and then you guys aren't leaving at all. And honestly, we're gonna pass out thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah. that's just how it's gonna be. Somebody writing in caramel apple pie is the best. Yeah, oh, feel, wow. feel free to tell us your favorite moonshine because there are plenty of ways to uh, to alter it and make it flavorful. Here's Frank Reich, by the way, talking about some of the coaching staffs and how he wants to address some of the aspects of this team. I want to be hands-on, but it's a big job. It's not a one-man job, so you got to hire great staff. Obviously, I'm heavily involved in the offense in most of those meetings, but it is important for me to, you know, to be in some defensive meetings and to, and to, you know, just have my hands on the defense a little bit. You know, I'll get real close with the defensive coordinator. You know, we'll have our weekly meetings. You know, I'll have my two cents, but I, I don't micromanage that. You hire uh, when you're an offensive coach. You hire a defensive coordinator. Who, who can really take control and take charge of that defense. Yeah, I mean, he's saying all the right things. It Look, as Scott Fowler said yesterday, introductory press conference, initial sound bites that you're going to hear as he does the rounds and does all of the interviews, they all sound very good, and ultimately it's going to be about what you do on the field. But I will still give him credit for saying the right things, and it is not a CEO approach that I expect from him. I expect him to be heavily involved in the offense, whether they have the offensive coordinator be Jim Bob Cooter or whether it be Frank Wright calling plays and they collab, which is what you would expect. That's what I want. And then ultimately you're going to let whoever the defensive coordinator is, you know, do his thing. So I, I like this philosophy from Frank Reich and it, and it seems like when you see the successful hires in the league, you know, they kind of take over on that one side of the ball and then let veteran coaches do their thing on the side that they're not an expert at, right? <laughs> like a Brian Dable. It's not like he's calling plays for the defense, right? Offensive guy. We've, we've seen this happen a couple of times, and it's why David Tepper admitted to making a mistake with Matt Rule. Yeah, you like a coach that's not, go- not going to micromanage. I mean, I know as a, uh employee, I do not like to be micromanaged, and I know football coaches are very much the same way, so you don't want a guy that's going to... Can you enunciate real quick? No, get it on micromanaging what you're doing. <laughs> right, right. That was stupid. And Sorry, so no coach, especially football coaches, they're all taskmasters. They're all control freaks, and they do not like somebody else stirring in their pot, and I know that that is a quick way to cause dissension in a coaching staff. So uh, for Frank Wright, Thankfully, he recognizes that. And I think when you get to the NFL level, man, I mean, it's like you trust that these guys got to this level for a reason. So what's the need to micromanage them? A hundred percent. I mean, especially if they've had success doing this right. and you can and, and you, you can handpick them because of said success. Well, and so much of this is based off of relationships. And do you guys think? Um, alike in all of these scenarios. And so, yeah, like I, I, I think with this pairing, it could go very well for this team. Now, Jim Bob Cooter, I mean, I'm going to have to get used to it. 2015 to 2018 is when he was the offensive coordinator for Detroit. And so they ranked top 10 in points scored once in 2017. And you look at the total yardage, they ranked 13th in 2017. And the next year in 2018, that's when it kind of goes downhill. They're 25th in points, they're 24th in total yards. 
I looked up that year just to see if some funny business went on, and it was a down year. You know, Matthew Stafford goes six and ten as a starting QB, so he played all the games. He threw for thirty seven hundred yards, almost thirty eight hundred. Threw for twenty one touchdowns and eleven interceptions. And after you had that year, that was about it. So it is. It is not like he he comes without his flaws or that he was successful every single season. One thing that is a little interesting to know here too. When I think of Detroit offenses in the 2010s, I think of them being a complete air raid offense and they did not run the ball, right? And that's what you're getting with a Jim Bob Cooter yes. not running the ball at all. And now you got your number one overall pick. He actually hits with Matthew Stafford, right? Like he's he's a good quarterback and your offensive line was, I don't know if it was ever a strong suit. I can't tell you like 2014 offensive lines at the top of my know that for Detroit. That but, was always a big gripe for the Lions right. when he was there, though. So Right. And so if you go to the other candidates that Carolina would look at, Shane Steichen coming from a running offense with Jalen Hurts and, and doing very well there, but great offensive line. Frank Reich, two seasons ago, had success with Jonathan Taylor, breakout gear, number one pick in your fantasy draft. You had some of these candidates that came from excellent rushing offenses. Not so much here with Jim Bob Cooter and what we've seen as far as a play caller for him. Does that worry you at all? Or are you like, hey, bring on the innovation. We've seen success. I'm, I'm cool with all of this anyway. Uh, it does worry me a little bit because we heard Frank Reich talk about how important running the football is, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess that's why the collaborative uh, working environment, I think, will be suitable. Because when you look at his numbers, I mean, he was almost dead last in the league for three seasons, his first three seasons in Detroit. And then in 2018, he picked it up a little bit to 18th. So you know that if you bring in Jim Bob Cooter, that passing is the name of the game. And so the main thing is if you have a rookie quarterback, for one, you're not going to want to pass that much unless they are showing just otherworldly capabilities as a rookie that they can come in and handle as much. Um, So, and I know that was a great, during the Mike, uh, during the Matt Rule era, mm-hmm. that people did not like the fact that he would abandon the run and did not like to run the ball as much. Um, a lot of people, especially when you've been working in the industry as long as he has, your habits are your habits. And he strikes me as a guy, when you look at the numbers, that does not like to run the football. So how long will that be? Uh, how long will that fly here? No pun intended. When you talk about passing offenses with fans, if you get that young quarterback in here or you get a quarterback and they struggle throwing the ball a lot and you're not toting the mail. Well, and, and the passing offense, even though we just went over some of the numbers for the total offense, the, the passing offense was always, you know, except for the last season, it was always, you know, really top 10. 11th yeah, I mean, his lowest, yeah, right. 11th in attempts. And other than that, he was 10th and 4th, so he likes to put the ball in the air. All right, let's get to some text messages and then a fitty flash before Sam Farber joins us to talk about the Charlotte Hornets in just a moment. Stanford P. is asking, Fitty, how hard are you laughing right now? Casey Steve, he wrote in, I'm trying to grab both of these text messages that he wrote in. He said, Walker, quit acting like you don't cry to this day. Probably cry when you run out of fish food, LOL. Yes, that's true, I do cry. And then Casey Steve also said, my grandpa had his moonshine behind the cereal we could get to a real counterproductive individual was his grandpa. So Casey Steve being a snitch right there. And uh, we also have some other moonshine texts that we can get to on the other side of the break. But first, it's the Fitty Flash. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, right now I'm thinking about apple pie moonshine and uh, apple jacks, but... Uh... <laughs> 
I do got one little news item for you guys. Uh, UNC's football coach, Mac Brown, did receive a one-year extension. He is now under contract through 2027. Carolina is 30-22 and 22 under Brown during his second tenure in Chapel Hill. They have made a bowl game in every season, including making the ACC title game this past year. Does it matter is the question that they added one year to Mac Brown's contract because so many times if Mac Brown does not perform this season it's not like they're going to hesitate to get rid of him and figure out somebody else to bring in if he doesn't perform this year then it might be that case I don't think the added year to this extension is going to have any bearing on his security what do you think of the extra year is there any kind of real story that you uh, take away yeah from not to me I mean unless it was some massive extension five six years and right. I think that would be a big deal even three years but just one year as I said to me it's not that big of a factor. All right, Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer. He'll join us to talk about the game tonight and how the Hornets are playing actually pretty well here recently. That's coming up next. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's Weston Walker on WFNZ 92.7 Sports Radio. I know I said that completely backwards, but it's all good. We are back. My man Walker Mail, Josh Fitty Marlowe in the cut. And uh, we're talking about Charlotte Hornets. And we've got the man with the master plan. Not right now. He's oh, about not to, right now. He's about to join us in, in just a moment, okay. hopefully, to talk right. about some Charlotte well, Hornets. Well, we will have Sam Farber on to talk about some Charlotte Hornets. But uh, in the meantime, we can still talk about the Charlotte Hornets. We, we can. I'm gonna. You're you're the driver here, so I'm going to ask okay. this of you real quickly. What? Do you want to lead up to Sam Farber talking about the Hornets, or should we continue to talk about moonshine before Sam Farber joins us? We got some text coming in. Whichever way you want to go, let's talk. Let's talk that shine. So, <laughs> so Kyle Bailey came in. I asked him what his favorite flavor was. He said that apple pie is the best for occasions. He said it's the best for holidays, birthdays, any type of something like that. Mm-hmm. And he said if you're just hanging out with the boys, white lightning is the best. So I don't know that I felt like that was a pretty good take on on moonshine. But apple pie, I, I'm seeing a lot of that being the goat of moonshines. Um, somebody else wrote in banana pudding moonshine from Old Smoky Mountain Distillery in Gatlinburg. Wow. Banana pudding. It's fantastic. You put it in moonshine. I have not tried it, but I imagine I would like it. Blackberry, Scott, the XFL honk, and now AFL honk. I didn't know he added to it. He said Blackberry used to be his favorite until he drank way too much of it one night, and that'll do it. Somebody else said there was a, uh, a Hershey flavor as well. Big Cat Dan said Blackberry or peach, and so those are your flavors of moonshine that people texted in. Well, I mean, like I said, I've never tried any of those, but I will certainly uh, keep you need to get that on in it. mind. You need to get on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... It's something serious, <laughs> but, but you need to get on it. But the flavorful ones, man, if, if they taste good and they're smooth, those are the ones that get you in a ton of trouble. If you sip on those and you just think it's like candy and it tastes like a soda, that, that's where it gets you in a lot of trouble and you have to stay exactly where you are at that moment. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. So we got Sam now? We do. All right. Well, here we go now. We're going from moonshine to talking about a team that's <laughs> been shining. There you, you go. see what I did there? Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. And we got my man with the plan, Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer. You can catch him on the call right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Sam, what's going on, baby? 
I'm good. I'm very curious what you guys are just talking about because whatever the ingredients were and whatever you're talking about there makes a big difference on what the conversation was. But I'll, I'll have to listen back on the podcast, I'm sure. Well, Sam, real quick, are you a moonshine guy or what? <laughs> <laughs> that you asked, Sam. That's what we're talking about. That that's what I thought maybe it was. Uh, it depends. It depends. I mean, I'm I'm still newish to the Carolinas. I, I need to be enlightened further. I think. Yeah, and them Cali guys. I don't know if they know about the shine like we do in North Carolina. Yeah, maybe not, man. So Sam, no, no, we do not. <laughs> got the Chicago Bulls yet again. This time on the road. The last time the Hornets went there didn't turn out so well. But the last time they saw them in Charlotte and the most recent matchup, it did turn out well. Hornets get a one eleven ninety six win. What do you foresee for this matchup tonight? What should we be looking out for? I think this one will be a good test to just, you know, how far along this team has come. You know, the first matchup you referenced out early in the season, not anywhere near as healthy as the team was the most recent time they played uh, where the Hornets got the win. So now playing them on the road, we'll, we'll get a better barometer of exactly where the Hornets are. And, you know, another win over Chicago would be a real clear sign that this team's taken a step in the right direction. Uh, Chicago has struggled despite having relatively good health. Uh, this season, all things considered, uh, to, to get to the level that they wanted to be at, for Charlotte to beat them twice in the span of a week, once home, once road, uh, that'd be impressive. And then LaMelo Ball last game, he passed Anthony Mason for the franchise's all-time lead in triple doubles. Uh, what were your thoughts just on that record in general, and uh, did you have a special call ready for that one? I didn't have one in the bag. I, it was a matter of when, not if for sure. He also ties the family record, by the way, uh, tying his brother Lonzo for most career NBA triple doubles. Now I just talked to him about it, and it, it was something that you know, according to him, he, he was basically unaware of. And you know, the it, it's it's nice, it's fun to see someone who can put up those kinds of statistical accomplishments. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he, he's focused on the W's. I'm sure he would have traded in a couple of those rebounds, a few of those assists for a few more points on the board to get the win. Sam Farber joining us, Hornets play-by-play announcer on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Sam, I know the Hornets lost to the Bucks. I did not expect them to go up there and win by 30 like the last time they went up there. Chris Middleton back in the lineup. Giannis was not going to go for under 10 points again. But even with the loss, they've been playing well. Why do you think they've been playing so well? What are some of the things that you've noticed specifically as to how they've been able to get and rack up some of these wins? It's health. It's health. This team is healthy or at least healthy adjacents for for the first time in a long time and been able to string together consistent runs with the same starting five with similar rotations coming off the bench. Um, and, and these are high-quality players. You know, the, the team has certainly bolstered its depth with the amount of minutes that a lot of the young guys got that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have gotten quite as early. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you want to be able to lean on some of those veterans who you've brought here for a reason. And so to see them all play together, see these kind of results stack on top of each other, quality wins over teams like Atlanta and Miami and Chicago, these are the teams that you want to be competing with to jockey for a playoff position. And, and even though all those injuries early in the season uh, put the Hornets behind the eight ball for for the majority of this season, you know, it still is something, you know, to to set the tone at least for the future here that, yeah, this squad, this core is capable of beating these kinds of teams consistently. So, you know, whether or not it'll end up uh, helping this team springboard towards a playoff run, that that remains to be seen. Um, But at the very least, we're getting a good sample size here of what this team is capable of when they're healthy. And I don't think, I mean, 
you know, Wes, you and me are, you know, after watching that Niners-Eagles game, you know, we, we know it wasn't the Niners were an inferior team. The Eagles, they didn't have quarterbacks. So I'd say the same thing for the Hornets. It, it says less about how good the Hornets were. It says how injured they were that they're where they are right now in the standings. Well, and, and some of the, the players that they've had to rely on come from their bench, and Mark Williams has continued to be a guy that has really played well ever since entering the rotation. One of five from the field against the Bucks, but we see his defensive prowess. Usually the field goal percentage is way higher than that. And you see a 75% free throw percentage. That's right on par with what he did last year. Sam, I look at him compared to some of the other big guys that came out of this draft, and they got playing time earlier on in Jalen Duran and Walker Kessler. But I think Mark Williams has been very effective, especially defensively, just altering shots ever since he has entered the rotation. I don't think there's any reason for people to worry about Mark. What about you? What have you seen from his game? 1,000%. I mean, I, I understand the Rising Stars rosters came out, and Mark Williams is not on it. I thought he had a chance, but you know, it didn't end up coming to be. If you look at the guys who made it, and particularly the bigs, they're all in the top 12 amongst the rookies for points per game. And, and I think you know, availability, amount of games played, that should factor in. So you know, I'm, I'm not discrediting them in, in any way, shape, or form. But if you look at stats per 36 minutes, Mark Williams isn't just better than those two. He's better than all but like three or four rookies, like Benedict Matherin, Paolo Bancaro. That's about it. After them, uh, it comes to Mark Williams on points per 36 minutes. So he's been very efficient and effective out there on the floor. I think this team has brought him along at a really nice pace. And, you know, who's to say if he had started from day one, could he have put up the same kind of quality and quantity of numbers? I wouldn't put it past him. He's an extremely talented player. Um, but at the same time, I think what we're seeing from him now, I think we should take that as proof that he is being brought along at the right pace and, and will help him in the long run. Sam, real quick before we get out of here, we've seen Mason Plumlee just absolutely go ham over the last month or so. We've seen Mark Williams come on. But as we get closer to the All-Star break, who's been the biggest surprise player to you on this Hornet squad? Ooh, biggest surprise, man. That's a good question. I, you know, let, let's go with Mark because, you know, it, when you, when you put a rookie in, you, you just, you don't know, you know, you have hopes, uh, clearly his, you know, physical attributes are unique even for the NBA. Um, and he was a productive player in college. And I, I think sometimes we get caught up in the physical, you know, uh, capabilities and focus, not enough on what they were actually able to accomplish. Mark accomplished a lot in college, but it's such a difficult transition, particularly for big. So uh, I'm not going to say I'm shocked, but I am impressed with how quickly he's caught on. And I'm very hopeful for what he'll be able to do in these final 30 games of this season and for years and years to come for Team Teal. That's Sam Farber, voice of the Charlotte Hornets. You can hear him on Sports Radio 92.7 FM calling the Hornets and the Bulls tonight. At eight, Sam, we appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys too. Uh, and for the, us 49ers fans, as many quarterbacks as possible, just get them in there. No more of this, you know. Like, I mean, we were we were one snap away from having the Zamboni driver come across the parking lot from the Flyers game to start handing off to CMCs. It, it got bad in a hurry, so we need quarterbacks. Get out of here! No, Carolina needs a quarterback. You can't hog all of them. <laughs> Dude, the Pan- the Panthers need a QB, Sam. So please stop hogging all the first round picks, all the QBs, and give us one here in Charlotte. <laughs> deal, deal. All right, appreciate it. When we come back on the Wes and Walker Show, we're going to talk about the NFL PA All Pro Team. Are their Panthers getting snubbed by the rest of the country on? 
Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.